City King Kong. Your curiosity quest starts here. Welcome in to the Q Code podcast, Danny, Traps, and Alan. You should have drawn that out just a little longer. Yeah, but you guys look so confused when I was doing it. I didn't. I got it right away. Good for you. Alan looked a little confused. He's like, what's going on here? Is that supposed to be like scary? Like, Halloween. But instead, it was like more of a hybrid between scary and just like excited like i am excited welcome into the cuco podcast everyone we've got a fun episode for you today i can guarantee you that we are all in unison in in our thoughts in the fact that it was not fun to prepare for this episode we've all been just chatting here before we press record and just talked how much of a pain this one was but hopefully it comes out in that that it's enjoyable for everybody. <laughs> Even I, mean, I guess we can like expand <clears throat> on it. Um, but this is the episode that we each wrote a story, and as Trav deemed it, uh, "Scary Stories to Tell on a Podcast" was the title that he gave the segment. I believe. Yes. Um, but the thing is, two two episodes ago, we drew uh, two people, two places, and two things for each of us to have to write and incorporate those things into our story. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I don't think that it's so much that it was unenjoyable. It was just under the circumstance <coughs> of like realizing that you are under a clock and trying yeah. to put these things in. Is because I know, difficult. I mean, I don't know about you, Al. I talked with Dan um yesterday and i asked i you know i said was it yesterday that we talked yeah and i was like how are you doing with your story how far along i am thinking (laughs) (laughs) you said that well he did he's like i i have some thoughts uh i can't really (laughs) say that i've written it yet or and i was about in the same boat i i had i told him i said at that point i was like i have a I have a beginning and, and I have an end. end. And you said you had a middle. I have a middle, but I didn't know how to connect all the dots. Mm. But I I really like what I came up with. So <laughs> hopefully <laughs> everybody else to, does. I am excited. Now, uh, you you had already mentioned that we that we had drawn these these words. Um, before we we get into the stories, we will remind everybody what the words were, and they were not easy words. <laughs> Some of them were maybe a little easier than others, but uh, I think the places that we picked uh, made it really difficult because for me, I had one that was in Canada, and the other location was in Northern Ireland. So, I mean, how do you... That's just a hop, skip, and a jump away. <laughs> but <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, we're, we're excited to get to that. Three stories for you. Um, and then you guys can let us know which one, uh, how you liked them, if you liked one more than the other. Mine. That, that was... <laughs> that was Danny. That was Travis. <laughs> so, yeah. But before we get to that, in the spirit of the Halloween season as it continues. We have a ghoulish quick question for ourselves, which is if the zombie apocalypse happened, 
Where would you hold up and what would be your weapon of choice? Let the conversation begin. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mortal Kombat. So, first of all, this is nitpicky, playing devil's advocate, but is a zombie question ghoulish? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes, that is, nit- it, that is nitpicky. Shouldn't it be a ghost <clears throat> question then? Um, is a ghost ghoulish? Yeah, it's a ghoul. Ghosts and ghouls go together. They're just two different things. I don't know. I don't know the difference. Neither <laughs> do I. What's the difference between a ghost and a ghoul? I have no clue. Okay. If anyone knows, let us know. <laughs> we can. I'm sure we could Google it, but uh, we're not going to do that right that now. That takes all the fun out of it. <clears throat> so do you want me to start? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So the place that I decided to hide out was, and like Trav, I think you said before, is that you may be going through your thought process mm-hmm. much in the same type of way that I go through my thought process usually on the show. So my thought process was, well, what are the primary factors that I would need to pay attention to in selecting a location to hide out in or hole up in, as you say? Mm-hmm. Um, the two main factors that I decided upon were access uh, to the area has to be finite. Like, they're only, I would like the least amount of access points to where I'm hiding out. I don't mm-hmm. want to be in like a coliseum or something <clears throat> like that where there's a million access points. Two, Somewhere that I could store supplies, food, and have access to water. Mm-hmm. So those are the two things that I decided on. So with that said, the place that I ultimately picked is trying to find a cave in the mountains. Okay. So that's where I would hide out. The reasons? Because there's one access point to a cave. I could set up all kinds of traps. Yeah, but then there's no exit. You're screwed if you get overrun. Well... <laughs> I'm not going to because I'm going to have all types of traps. <laughs> so you're employing and perimeter alarms, like what they did in 300. Yep. Basically, like I have to hold my ground small, at all costs. He's going to Swiss Family Robinson this whole thing. <laughs> He's going to be hiding out in the woods, and instead of pirates, it's zombies, and they just set a bunch of traps for him. <laughs> yep, exactly. It'll be like Home Alone, but in the woods. <laughs> no Swiss. Swiss Family Robbins. You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? I don't watch Swiss shows. <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> do they do that? If anybody else out there knows pop culture references like I do and would like to be a host on this show, please let us know because I'm tired of talking to walls here. Well, turn it's your a, head. We're it's a over classic here. Disney movie. No, I know what it is, but I just don't remember it. It's like, I think I saw Swiss Family Robinson when I was two. Yeah, they were like washed ashore on this island and made a home for themselves. And then the pirates tried to come and take it away, but they wanted the main to defend kid? their family. Isn't the main kid like wear like a striped shirt, like a striped red shirt? <laughs> Oh no, that's not the thing that I'm remembering. Because <laughs> that's what I remember. I don't remember the clothes they were wearing. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I would have all kinds of alarms and traps just set up around the perimeter to warn me and or 
help ward them off before they get there. And then once, if any of them do make it to me, then I'm going to be prepared at my one access point. The other reason I thought a cave would be a good idea is because it would stay cool enough to help me store my food and my supplies and belongings and hopefully keep them prolonged amounts of time before they spoil. I would also hope my cave and I would find to try to find a cave that was close to like a running spring or mountain stream that I could get my water from. So then I would have all the supplies I needed and a good location to hide. Um, and then I would obviously it would be in a remote location far away from like populated cities where they're, probably is more zombies hmm. and your weapon of choice should i go through that or should we all go through our hole up all right well i just figured you could just do the whole thing okay <laughs> i can do it so i mean you're again. already you're already defending yourself with with traps so <laughs> what else <laughs> well the traps would all be things i would set up uh with those aren't weapons things that I could find in the woods. He always has to find some weird loophole. <laughs> like, and traps aren't weapons. They're just traps. So again, my thought process was, okay, what are the primary factors in choosing a weapon in this case? So in this scenario, I've again figured there was two primary factors that I would have to look into when choosing a weapon. Number one would be that it would have to be a long range weapon. I'd prefer not to be doing hand-to-hand combat with zombies and instead would be like, would like to be attacking them from afar. And then two, uh, I would like whatever my weapon is to have ample and readily available ammunition. So like a natural thought would be, well, I could have a gun because that's long range. But if I don't have like unlimited ammunition, at some point I'm going to run out and then I'm screwed. Right? Mm -hmm. So with that said, again, I thought about it and I'm like, well, I would take a sling, just like the sling that David had against Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> Super long range sling. It's like, okay, all right. If my if my gun fails, I'm gonna throw a rock at him. <laughs> just a tiny little one. <laughs> and the reason that I would choose a sling is that once, if you practice it enough, it's a it's a skill weapon, and it's actually very very accurate at long distances and you have basically you can all your ammo is like rocks or any hard small item that you can find this is the sound of danny fighting with a sling (laughs) (laughs) whatever they wouldn't even know because the other reason i would choose a sling is that they're very silent and they would not give my position away so i could be attacking and they would have no idea what was happening or where things were coming from so yeah, and more, more like the sound would be, <laughs> like the Viet Cong just sitting in the trees, just waiting for him to come through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would totally kick butt with a sling. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> so I would be living in a cave in the mountains with my sling. That's the ultimate answer i guess zombie sling killer <laughs> or zombie killer with sling <laughs> with sling <laughs> it's like an addendum at the bottom yeah. <laughs> all right well did you have anything out or did you want me to go so i would hold up i would still like i assume the president has a nuclear bunker <laughs> 
I'm sure his, and that, his always goes with some kind of government, <laughs> yeah, some political <laughs> agenda. I would just, I would take the president's nuclear bunker, and I assume it's chock full of everything you need to survive in it. So I wouldn't even need a packet full of food and all that stuff. So the country is overrun by zombies, and then you go and take the president's bunker, and then a couple minutes later you hear a. Yes, who is it? Uh, it's the President of the United States. Who's in my bunker? Oh, please go away. I was here first. <laughs> Thank you. And they're like, well, sorry, sucks to be me. I guess I should have been here earlier. Uh, and he just walks off. Finders, yeah. keepers, losers, weepers. <laughs> no trumps allowed. <laughs> but, and then my weapon of choice would be our entire arsenal of tactical nuclear weapons. <laughs> just nuke, nuke everybody. So yeah, I would just be down there and I would just like, whenever I feel a horde is coming on the way, whatever. Like we're I just, just, it's just going to be a small nuke. <laughs> drop a nuke <laughs> and take care of all of them at the same time. <laughs> like, I'm good. I don't care about everybody else in the world. They, they can try and survive this nuclear holocaust. I but assume they're all dead and zombies now. <laughs> oh, okay, that's Alan, so Alan's the, assumption. The Alan's the only zombies. one in the whole world after a zombie apocalypse that like puts on weight because all he does is have to sit there in like some lazy boy chair <laughs> eating and then just once in a while push a button. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so my thought process originally. Very much like yours is that I needed something. I needed something with open space. I'm talking like very minimal access, like pretty much just like one entry, yeah. one entry, one exit, so that you can pay attention. Yeah. Just if there are other spot. ones, I'm boarding them up. I'm locking them down. I'm doing whatever I can so that there is one door that I have to look out for. Um, so I was thinking kind of more like a like a warehouse type, and. Uh, the way that I, you know, you can store stuff in there, you can put up cots or whatever. It's a large enough space that nobody is hidden from anybody. You could literally stand there, look throughout the whole room, and you can see everything. So it's like an empty warehouse. Like an empty warehouse. But obviously you're going to be bringing people in, or, you know, people and, and food and, and shelter. Well, that's the shelter. But anyway, and the way that I envision it, envision it is that there's like a catwalk up the back of the uh, of the warehouse with a Gatling gun pointed directly at the front door <laughs> with tons of ammo. So as soon as they come in, it's like, and he's just mowing them down. So does somebody have to actually be stationed at this Gatling gun? Yeah, we'll take turns. Or is it going to be automatic and motion censored? Well, if I can find a motion censored one, no, well, probably Because what if you guys are walking? I know. So we'll have somebody sens- or standing there <laughs> manning the gun. Um, close range though, probably have something either like, I mean, if you guys watch the walking dead, I haven't for a long time, but there's of course Michonne who is the samurai sword wielding lady. And then there is Negan who has Lucille, the bat that has barbed wire wrapped around it. Either one of those would be good. I'd probably just carry one of those around with me so that just in case I get in close contact, because you got to realize you're going to be going out there. You're not just going to be sitting in there. You're going to have to, at some point in time, go out for provisions. Um, Yeah, and my sling would be super easy to carry. (laughs) That would be true. And I'd have ammo just everywhere. (laughs) 
But what if you were somewhere that didn't have a rock? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no rocks. What if I you could were... use like any hard, small object. Okay. Like candy. Or what if you were just on a like, toys? Just a peppermint, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what were you going to say, Al? So what if you were just like on a giant beach and it was just all sand? Can't really sling sand. Well, then it'd be like a mach- like it would be like a shotgun effect. I would just put a ball <laughs> of sand in there, and like throw <laughs> sand that fast. The zombie's like, ah, oh, no, I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> but for anyone who doesn't know, that's Trav's zombie voice, zombie which voice. is very similar to what was the other. <laughs> thing that you oh bigfoot's voice Bigfoot, but his is, but a little his bit is just more a little gruff. more gruffy yeah. so i also um if you've seen the night i think it's 1972 maybe uh dawn of the dead you seem very sure about that date well i looked it up earlier and i can't remember <laughs> if I, I have two dates in my head either 72 like or 78 yeah dawn, dawn of, of the, the dead. dead and they're in a mall Mm-hmm. And they're just running around, having fun, killing zombies. They've got all they need. They've got a, a an, an ammo depot or whatever that was in there. Now, I've been to a lot of malls, never seen a, like, a gun depot or anything like that. But it was 1978. Okay, 78. So, you know, I always thought that that would be kind of cool. But then this is where I landed. Okay, so that's these, this is my thought process as I'm going through. And I'm thinking the first one is the safe bet. Okay. Pretty much the world's ended. So then I asked my family, I said, where would you go if this zombie apocalypse happened? And my daughter Harper goes, Disneyland. <laughs> and I was like, at first I was like, ha, yeah, yeah, right, Harp. So I mean, we'd just be chased by a zombie Mickey. And then I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? Doesn't Disneyland have like an entire underground system? I think so. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is that if the world is ended, why not take a trip to the happiest place on earth, even though it's not going to be functional? You just go in there, and if you die, you die. But you're there at Disneyland. <laughs> on that movie, Zombieland, didn't they end up like at a theme park? Yeah, yeah. it was like a carnival. And so, well, anyway. You could just ride Space Mountain, and then yeah. zombies would have a hard time catching you because they can't see you. You're just going around. So it would just fast. be fun. It would at least just be fun to be around there. But anyway, so that's <laughs> that was kind of what I was thinking. It's like in the end, we might hold up in that warehouse for a bit, and then we just might say, you know what? It's vacation time. Let's go to Disneyland, and then we would go. So, so yeah, for <laughs> anyone keeping tabs, that's just three very different solutions: go into I'm the woods in a cave in isolation, fight with a sling, pr- protect yourself with a sling. <laughs> That's probably the most logical. <laughs> Number two, just take over the government facility. That which I don't know how you're going to do that in the first place. Because I'm pretty sure they're like they're just going to have the door open and be like, "Well, shoot, we should have closed that before." <laughs> Who and let the Asian Alan kid in, in there? there. <laughs> and then somehow I'll, he just has access. I'll just to show all up and I'll be codes. like, "The president said he wanted to meet me here. Or <laughs> yeah. Let me in." And then when they let me in, I slam the door shut. <laughs> Yes, hi. I'm 
I'm Alan. I should be on the list. And then Trav's like, <laughs> F it. I'm going to Disneyland. Going to Disneyland. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Well, let's move In on. In my scenario, I probably would have already bombed Disneyland with a yeah. nuclear weapon. I'd just be, I'd see the nuke coming. I'd be like, <laughs> damn it, Alan. <laughs> but then Trav, We're still alive. We're Trav still would here. be on Space Mountain and the nuke would go off and he'd go flying into space. Like, ah. See, that's I was, the dream, Alan. I was gonna kind of like say something about I would hold up on Mars. Yeah, you can't <laughs> in space or something. But then I remembered your one of your dreams where the zombies had no problems getting to space. Yeah. Dream number nine: pandemic. <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> we all know that zombies can travel to space. Yep. Somehow they can just fly into outer space. If but, you want to know the details, check out that episode. Yep. All right, Dream let's move nine. on to the meat of the episode here uh, as we read our stories. But before we get to that point, let's listen to a little something, something. <laughs> That's what my story is called. Are you afraid of the dark? Is it really? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> is yours? No. How about yours, Al? I don't think I titled mine. Are we supposed to title it? Well, usually when you write At a story. At the end of mine, you guys can come up with a title. For okay. It. <laughs> so I was thinking about it. Should we just go in order of age, youngest, oldest? Sure. Okay. So then who's the youngest? My name is Alan. I'm the youngest. <laughs> okay, Al. Why don't we get going? <laughs> I didn't know there's another Alan here who's very girlish. <laughs> All right. Maybe I could teach him how to be a man. All just, right. Just one. Okay. <laughs> here we go. So this is Alan. This story. is Alan. Oh, and oh. So we need to go through what the items were before we start. So Alan. And also while you're pulling that up, um, Alan and Dan have asked that I read the stories because I pretty much just do that anyway with the dreams. So why, why not just do it with the stories? Trav's just a good story reader. Are we making comments during? Oh these? yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, we need absolute silence. Okay. So this was the list of things that Alan had that he needed to incorporate. And once again, a reminder, we each picked two people, two places, and two things randomly at the end of our episode two weeks ago to incorporate into our story. So Alan's items apparently were a balloon, because I misspelled it, but it's really <laughs> supposed to be a balloon. A balloon. My 14-year-old <laughs> my son pointed out that I misspelled Balloon. Well, I hope you're balloon. I spelled it balloon. Spell balloon. <laughs> <laughs> and packing peanuts were his uh, two items or two things. His two people were Emma Watson and Demi Lovato. And his two places were the Bermuda Triangle and the NASCA lines. So each time we identify one of these six items in the dream or in his story, then. You will hear this sound. 
and we will see if we can identify all six items. Well, okay. hopefully <laughs> we have them in front of us. So, and we are reading them. It's not like it's, it says it's Emma a Watson. You're like, um, is that it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. Just well, a disclaimer. I don't know. Mine might get gruesome at the end. Okay. Well, it's supposed to be a scary story. Here's the other thing. Do we push the button every time or just the first time that they're mentioned? Oh, no, just so the like, first time. If like, you talk about Emma Watson 14 times, we don't want to push it. Yeah. No, yeah, no, just, just the first okay, time. Yeah. Okay. Just so that we know that it was mentioned. There should be six things that come up in this, in this story. story. Okay. So, here we go. Here's Alan's it. story. Title or his is. scary story to tell on a podcast. <clears throat> well, it's official. We're over the Bermuda Triangle. And I feel fine. <laughs> he got re- he got out of that quick. <laughs> and I feel fine. Emma Watson explained exclaimed what Sar- you already <laughs> sarcastically. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I've heard so many strange stories about this godforsaken part of the world. It must have just gotten to me," replied Demi Lovato. <laughs> In a manner, so they're hanging out together already. Okay, <laughs> on a plane. Over the Bermuda Triangle. Triangle. Okay. In a manner that it was clear she was still trying to brush off her outright fear of place. Of the place. Of the place. (laughs) Her outright fear of place. (laughs) The two. (laughs) I I hate place. This is actually weird because I'm used to your writing, but I am not used to Alan's writing (laughs) whatsoever. The two paused and looked at each other like they had no clue where the other one was coming from. They were on their way to see the infamous Nazca lines that so many believe to be made by intelligent aliens. Oh Suddenly, gosh. a bright flash of light burst through the cracks of the closed shutters, illuminating the interior of the airplane like there were a thousand paparazzi all flashing pictures straight into Emma's eyes after a long night out partying too hard with Molly. With Molly. <laughs> Wait, get it? Molly? MDMA? Yeah, I get it. What? Ecstasy? Yeah. Oh. Got it. <laughs> but wait, so is this like a commercial flight? Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's like so that's seven, why they have shutters. I'm like a 747 or something. Why like did that. you have to ask that question? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. Why was that a question that you Other were really air- curious about? Yeah, only commercial like, flights have shutters? Yeah. Well, what? they're over the Bermuda Triangle. I'm pretty sure it's not international. They're just in a little Cessna. <laughs> Wait, you're pretty sure it's not international? Or not international, sorry. It is I meant international. It is international. So it's That's a big what, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I understood the, the mix-up. No, I'm not correcting you. I'm just saying, okay, so it, we, it is a big it, plane. It is a big plane. Okay, and are they in first class or in coach? Does it matter? <laughs> Obviously, Emma Watson and Demi Lovato would be in first class. Okay. Got it. I All right. thought that would be implied. <laughs> you may resume. Then there was nothingness. Not even a sense of dreaming. Just an unconscious darkness of non-existence all around. Slowly, she began... And this is after all the flashes of light. All the flashes of light. Slowly, she began to feel as if she was ascending from the depths of hell back to where she could feel consciousness again. It was like she was hitching a ride on top of a black balloon. 
<laughs> her mother once gave her at her cousin's funeral a few years. That is morbid. Here's a balloon. It's black. Because your cousin died. It's supposed to be scary. <laughs> but now I was she's like, ascending on the black balloon. So she lost consciousness after the lights. Like yeah. it just flashes. Went, she faded into darkness. And now she's feeling like she's ascending back from the darkness into consciousness on, on the, the top balloon. of a black balloon. It's like a semi-dream state. So is it baby's black balloon? Makes her fly. Yep. <laughs> something, something too much. What was it? <laughs> just shut up just shut your mouth <laughs> you don't know the words baby's black balloon makes her fly something 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 in my eye okay <laughs> only this time she would soar upwards like packing peanuts in a low pressure storm situation like in the eye of a hurricane Suddenly, she burst into real consciousness, gulping for air. She realized she was in a hospital room in Nazca. She muttered, Where is she? Where's Demi? No one on earth knew who Demi Lovato was anymore. It was like the men in black had erased the memory of her from everyone forever. <laughs> then, Emma faded into the darkness again. Now, Emma is with him. Wilmer... Valderrama, <laughs> aka Fez. Isn't that who Demi Lovato is dating? Is she? I don't know. <laughs> I don't keep up with that. So no, I'm, I'm glad you explained that because I have ago, I had no idea what the reference was. <laughs> Wilmer Valderrama. Wait, what? So wait, Demi Lovato is dating Fez. Yeah, I think. So, so. why is Emma now with Fez? Well, read the story. Yeah, yeah. Let me finish. Uh, okay. Emma is with him. Wilmer. Valderrama, reliving one of her most regretful memories, kissing to the slow tunes of Frank Sinatra on a warm summer's eve, pretending that Demi didn't exist. Oh, that cheating. <laughs> cheating hoe. She thought Demi would never find out about this treacherous deceit, and she would have been right if not for the aliens that had ad- that had abducted Demi from that light and made her aware of the from deceit. That flight. From that flight. Sorry, and made her aware of the deceit. <laughs> so the, the alien somehow knew and told Demi Lovato. <laughs> Demi then struck a deal with the alien race and agreed to lure and abduct Emma at the Nazca lines and let the aliens dissect her alive from limb to limb without anesthetic to the aliens. So the aliens could map the nerves and pain receptors of the human body. And it <laughs> happened just as planned. She's <laughs> like, huh, this is a nice plan. I'm sure it's going to work out exactly how I think. I was like, all right, let's I was see getting what short happens. on time. So I was like, I got I to gotta end this. <laughs> Wait, that's how it ends? No, no not yet. No. It's, it's close, though. That was the morbid part. I was talking or like the oh it's like the aliens are just like let's see what happens so they're gonna just dissect her while when she's we alive. stab her in the eye like exactly. oh you can see the pain receptors go down this <laughs> like nice little nervous system and, and back up into the brain here comes the scream <laughs> <laughs> is that not terrifying guys <laughs> 
Emma was released from the hospital and went to see the Nazca lines in memory of Demi, where the aliens aided by Demi abducted. <laughs> where the aliens aided by Demi abducted her. <laughs> she was still alive and feeling every bit of pain for thirty-six hours, until her ligaments were the only part of her body still attached to the bone. The moral of the story is: don't fly over the Bermuda Triangle ever. <laughs> Wait, I am confused about one part. <laughs> so, <laughs> how is the only thing left attached to her bones are her ligaments? So, like, her body had been pulled away from the bone, but only her arms and legs were still on the bone? What? <laughs> they were dissecting her alive, just cutting things off. And it, what it said, and the only thing left were the ligaments stuck to the bone no why do you fixate yeah, what on the weirdest things <laughs> what's your point what are you getting at no i'm trying to picture it i'm trying to help our audience because she it. was still alive and feeling every bit of pain for 36 hours until, until her, her ligaments, ligaments were the only part of her body still, still attached, attached to the, the bone. bone yeah until oh like ligaments as in like muscle ligaments what other okay are what are you thinking aren't your arms and legs called ligaments no what are they called ligaments are like your in your joints the tendons and all that stuff yeah but what is your arms and legs called limbs oh yeah <laughs> are you serious <laughs> are you kidding me right now <sighs> goodness okay. gracious see that's all I needed a little clarification because then that way the audience will also know what you meant <laughs> I think they know <laughs> Ligaments are different than limbs. <laughs> okay. In hindsight, yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that was Alan's. Okay. So we need to. What would be a good title? Let's just let's just go real easy and just say Demi gets abducted. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. But I would go with pain receptors. <laughs> that actually <Okay>. is better. <laughs> Because then you're like, what? What is this? Pain receptors. (laughs) So it is my turn. And title of my story is The Experience and or Daryl's Trip to Mordor. (laughs) (laughs) But before Trav starts, his items were, his things were headphones and a drill press. His people were Harrison Ford and Joe Montana. And his places were the Giant's Causeway and Spotted Lake. Yes. Let's see if we can identify all six. Here we go. So remember, the experience and or Daryl's trip to Mordor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to clear my throat before I start so you know. And remember to point at me whenever you got it. Hit one of yours. It was so surreal, Daryl said. As he began to explain the experience he had recently to his friends, Arlen and Travius. If you guys don't realize where I got those (laughs) names. (laughs) Where? So we got Daryl, a.k.a. Daniel. Oh, oh, okay. Arlen, (laughs) Alan, and Travius. (laughs) Well done. Okay. For once, I was like, Uh, what pop culture (laughs) reference is this? But it is a pop culture reference because we're a podcast. Yep. Popular podcast. Okay. (laughs) I'll start over. 
It was so surreal, Daryl said, as he began to explain the experience he had recently to his friends Arlen and Travius. It had to be real. Considering the circumstances, Arlen said, I highly doubt everything happened the way you are remembering it. I agree, Travius added, but just for the sake of argument, why don't you tell us again what happened? Start from the beginning. Well, Daryl said, you guys remember, or you guys remember how it all started. You were there. Humor us. Don't leave any, and don't leave out any details, Arlen urged. It all began on September 29th, 2019. We all gathered at your, I mean, Travius's house to watch the game. What game was that? Travius asked. The Bears-Vikings game. <laughs> the, Where the Vikings kicked their ass. Uh, if you, this you, is a fiction you, story. Are Don't you lie. remembering it incorrectly? <laughs> the game was dragging, and, and my Vikings were getting murdered. Maybe it was boredom. I'm not sure, but I fell asleep. That's when the dream started, right? Arlen asked. No, I told you. It wasn't a dream. I fell asleep, sure, but I didn't dream. I don't know what happened or how I got there, but I woke up in the garage holding a hammer. Travius and Arlen looked at Daryl, concerned about the hammer. (laughs) (laughs) It it was a good thing, though, because come to find out, I would definitely need that hammer. As I walked back into the house, I found Harrison Ford sitting at the kitchen counter eating a bowl of Count Chocula cereal. (laughs) Next to him was none other than the comeback kid himself, Mr. Joe Montana. Sitting there, jamming out to tunes on his wireless Beats headphones. You got them all. Three of them, right? That was like a boom, boom, boom. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Hold on. Harrison Ford and Joe Montana are sitting in your friend's or my house eating Count freaking Chocula and listening to Spotify and you still think that this wasn't a dream? I know, I know. It but, seems legit, Trev. But it wasn't the real Harrison Ford and Joe Montana. <laughs> it wasn't? Asked Arlen. Yeah. They were demons. Anyway, they, <laughs> they were demons. <laughs> of course. They both looked up. I feel as, like we're we're burying the lead here. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's, let's pass. Let's get on past <coughs> just, the demon yeah, part. Just, yeah, they were demons. Anyway, they they both looked up as I walked in and stared at me with their demon eyes. Their their dark black eyes that also appeared blood red at the same time. I didn't see you guys and assumed the demons had already brutally murdered you, and that's when I knew I had to avenge your deaths. (laughs) Their eyes are dark black and red at the same time. Yep. I don't know how that happens, but... It's a conundrum. Both of their faces morphed into hideous beasts with sharp fang-like teeth, streams of saliva dripping from their mouths, and began screeching the most harrowing sound I have ever heard. I lunged immediately toward, de- toward demon Han Solo and cracked him right in the head. He dropped like a ton of bricks. I also took a swing at Joe Cool, but missed and lost, grip- and lost grip of the hammer as it flew across the room. I was defenseless. Joe charged after me as I darted back into the garage. I fell backwards and onto the floor. I shimmied back as he inched toward me. I reached for anything I could get my hands on and grabbed a shovel. 
I swung just in time and smashed four-time Super Bowl winner Joe Montana in the face. (laughs) (laughs) It, It wasn't enough to knock him down, but he did stumble back. Whoa, here's a typo. He did stumble back. Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, he did stumble back to the workbench. And that's where I saw my one and only chance to end this nightmare. I grabbed his head, slammed it down on the drill press. Oh! <laughs> and put a half-inch drill bit right through his demon, right through G- Demon Joe's temple. <laughs> Travius and Arlen stare blankly, then at each other in disbelief. Okay, so after you killed the demons, what happened next? Asked Travius. Well, next I knew that in order to completely get rid of the evil, I, I needed to dispose of the demon bodies and bury them on sacred ground. Of course, Arlen said sarcastically. However, sarcasm was lost on Daryl at this time. (laughs) I feel like this is like, it's true, sometimes it is. (laughs) I knew it wouldn't be easy. They might have been demons, but they were still two full-size men. I also wasn't stupid. Although I had just saved the world from celebrity demon men, it would look mighty suspicious of someone if someone saw me dragging these bodies around and I was pretty sure nobody would believe that they were in fact spawns of Satan. (laughs) So I waited until the middle of the night to get moving to make my life a little easier. I dismembered the demons and stuffed them into garbage bags. Even then the garbage bags were super heavy. I mean, I'm strong, but I think demon bodies have more mass. (laughs) Have I mentioned that Newton's second law of motion is the force (laughs) equals mass times acceleration? Otherwise known as F equals M times A. <laughs> F equals M A. Travius. This story is very accurate. <laughs> Especially the part about me being super strong. <laughs> Travius and Arlen again stared stupefied in disbelief in the pure craziness they were witnessing. It was about 2 a.m. when I felt comfortable enough to open the garage. It took two industrial strength garbage bags for each demon. I loaded them into a red radio flyer wagon I found and began my journey to a sacred place I knew, not too far from where I was. So I put all four bags on this wagon? Daryl did, I don't know. Or Daryl did. (laughs) Oh, so he put their bodies into four different bags? He didn't just like double up? That's why there were four bags? Yep. (laughs) The trek was not an easy one. I had to make my way through the spotted lake and over the giant's causeway. Through the land of Mordor, where I dumped the bodies into, a, into the fiery depths of Mount Doom. Arlen then leaned over to Travius and whispered, This guy is freaking nuts, man. Travius nodded in total agreement. So let me get this straight. You left the house in Utah, tracked through the Spotted Lake in British Columbia, Canada, traversed the Giant's Causeway in Northern Ireland, then through a fictional a fictional land to deposit the bodies in a fictional volcano created by J.R.R. Tolkien? Did I get that right? Travius asked. <laughs> yep, that about sums it up, Daryl replied. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, Daryl, Arlen exclaimed. Do you know where you are right now? Of course. We're at the library. The library? Yelled Arlen. Daryl, You are one sick son of a hold on there, Arlen, (laughs) Travius said as he interjected. Let's not lose our cool. 
Daryl, Travius continued, you are not in a library. Look at your clothes. You're in a bright orange jumpsuit. You have shackles around your wrists and ankles. You keep referring to him as Arlen and me as Travius. We are not your friends. In fact, your friends are dead, Daryl. I, I don't understand. Daryl looked around, totally befuddled. From the look of it, he truly had no idea what was going on. And if he did, he was doing a dang good job at this crazy charade. <coughs> oh, it's getting good, guys. <laughs> then he coughed. Travius looked at Daryl intently and then proceeded. It's my turn to tell you a story, Daryl. Except this time, this story is real. This story is about a young man who went to his friend's house to watch a football game. About midway through the third quarter, he gets up, heads to the garage, and grabs a hammer. Do you see where I'm going with this? Daryl continues to look confused. (laughs) (laughs) Upon returning from the garage, he whacks the first friend right in the forehead. The friend who, yes, was eating Count Chocula cereal immediately crumbles to the ground and convulses for three minutes before the light in his eyes goes dark. That, Daryl, was your friend Travius. No! (laughs) Daryl cries. Shall we continue? Arlen said. Next, he throws the hammer at his other friend, knocking him to the floor. He then drags him by his hair out into the garage where he smashes his face in with a shovel. And for the, and for the finishing touches, as if that weren't enough, he puts a half-inch drill bit through his head using the drill press located on the workbench in the garage. Do we need to tell you who that victim was? Daryl begins to shake his head while quietly, but consistently saying no repeatedly. Yes, Daryl, that was Arlen. If you haven't gotten it by now, you killed your friends. You then chopped them up into little pieces, stuffed them in bags, loaded them onto a wagon, went down the driveway to the end of the street, through the murky swampy field, over a hill of rocks, into the neighbor's backyard, where you dumped the bodies in their fire pit and set it ablaze. (laughs) <laughs> he used the neighbor's fire pit. Daryl still shaking that, his head. Apparently that was Mordor. Yeah. That's Mordor. <laughs> Daryl, still shaking his head, looked up at the two men he thought were his friends, with tears in his eyes, still murmuring the word no. How do you know all of this? Daryl asked. There are cameras all over Travius's house. We saw everything. Also, the neighbor whose fire pit you used to burn the bodies... Um, saw you and called the police. That was where you were picked up. Why are you here then if you knew all of this already? We just needed to record your account. And although you are crazy, we have enough to put you away for the rest of your life. Good luck. Oh, and the Vikings suck. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) The story was good until the end. There we go. Good job, Trav. So he's One. a psychotic person, huh? <laughs> I want to know how ironic it is that the guards at the prison have the same names as my friends I murdered. They're not. He was just assuming those were his friends. They said, we're not your friends. Yeah, but then Arlen continues to tell him the story. Well, the person that he thinks is Arlen. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't... I didn't come up with names for him. I was going to, but I was like, you know what? They don't need names. <laughs> I think it should be Pete and Buddha judge and Buddha judge. Okay. 
just pull out a random Democratic candidate for president there. I thought Pete Alan Buttigieg. would appreciate that because I pulled out some political knowledge for him. But, all right. So, you hit all six of yours. Alan, you hit all six of yours. I think, well, yeah. <laughs> I think we're all going to hit all chance. six of ours. I don't think it was like, well, maybe we only get four. <laughs> But no, good job, guys. Um, I feel like my story is going to have a hard time following your guys' stories. <laughs> Cause Why? I don't have anything about like dissecting people and finding their pain points and documenting it. And I don't have freaking awesome murder-licious <laughs> <laughs> plot points. Uh, I mean, it was a good twist, though. Did you guys see it coming? No. I was, I was super some excited I, about that fact I was, that I was a hero. It reminded me of Mind Hunters and like maybe the people that were talking to Daryl mm. were like the two, you know, characters, the police officers that interview killers. Yeah. Just super crazy. And then also like it reminded me of Shutter Island. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. It kind of also Where? reminded me of that one movie that happens in the motel identity or something yeah, like that John Cusack. John Cusack. oh yeah oh yeah and at the end and that like guy that his multiple everything, personalities yeah everything was just going on in his head yeah where he was killing off his different personalities mm-hmm it's pretty good well done Trav thank you well done Alan <clears throat> thank you for the high five <laughs> All right. All right. Well, now for mine, it might be a little bit of a letdown <laughs> at this point, but we'll let Trav go. How go is it, it this thick? <laughs> Daniel. That's oh, what, my gosh. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. A, you had a good joke for one. <laughs> <laughs> so my story uh, needed to include the following items. The things were a cork and whiteout. How you include those into a horror or a scary story? I don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> Number two, the people, Stephen Hawking and Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> How you include them in a scary story? I don't know. And finally, the two places were Socotra Island and Thor's Well. I tried my best to incorporate those into this story. So, Trav, with that said, What's without Thor, like Thor's well, Thor's well, yeah, like the Marvel guy. Well, yeah, yes, Thor is a before Marvel. He was actually already a character in. Wow. He was a Greek mythology. God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is the son of Zeus. Oh, um, but with that said, I hope you are ready to put on your best. Jennifer voice. <laughs> I don't know what Jennifer voice. I could maybe try. Just do Stephen your best. <laughs> and Stephen Hawking voice. All right. Okay. Because you will need to incorporate those for people to understand what is going on in the story. Okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> this is Scary Stories to Tell on a Podcast by Daniel Barnes. The title of it is Finding Home. <laughs> <laughs> It's so not scary scary. at all. (laughs) I think I I think I missed the mark with this story. (laughs) Well, we'll see. (laughs) Hope you guys are in for a long for ready for a long story because it's like ten pages. Is it double spaced? 
Uh, yes. It is, and it's not ten pages. <laughs> okay. This story begins, like any other, around this time of year, as it was a dark and stormy night, but this is where the similarities end, and the true nightmare begins. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Drab. That's exactly how I intended it. <laughs> Jenny had dreams. That's not Jennifer That's Lopez. Jenny. This is Jenny. Well, I just referred to her as Jenny in the dream. <laughs> you couldn't even. So he didn't hit all six. You couldn't even say Demi or not Demi. Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> just know that Jenny or Jen in this dream is Jennifer Lopez. Okay. That's a kind of a half, but yeah. Jenny had dreams, much like many of those around her did. She had just got out of a toxic relationship. And it would and be J-Lo. <laughs> in which her ex-husband stalked her relentlessly. I swear she was She's in a in movie, a movie where that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She was finally forced to take kickboxing lessons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is no originality in this whatsoever. <laughs> to take kickboxing lessons and ended up taking things into her own hands as if this wasn't traumatic enough. This all happened shortly after she had to deal with a psychotic boy who lived next door to them as well. <laughs> Is this an, isn't this another movie of hers? <laughs> it's the boy next door. She was sick of the vicious cycles her life seemed to take and knew that it was time to move away. She had lived in this same neighborhood for most of her life and no longer wanted to be known as that girl, Jenny from the block. <laughs> So, that's exactly what she did. She invited over one of her closest friends who also lived in San Francisco, DJ Tanner. Cameron, (laughs) Candace Cameron, DJ Tanner, who helped her pack and leave this godforbidden city once and for all. It's not the only person you could think of that. I mean, (laughs) it's like San Francisco. Full house, DJ Tanner. <laughs> Her friend always wanted to see Jenny. And wait, so this isn't the Bronx? Nope. No, this whole Jenny right from the block is about the Bronx, isn't it? She was uh, from a block in San Francisco in this, this one. Yeah, this Jenny was from San Francisco. <laughs> Her friend always wanted to see Jen happy and was more than happy to help. After the two, after the two them... After the two them finished packing up the house, <laughs> the two they, of them, they thought it would be fun to celebrate with some champagne and music. Jenny, who was currently in the kitchen popping the cork <laughs> off a fancy bottle of bubbly, yelled out to her friend, "Play that one song." "What song?" her friend replied. "You know, come on DJ, play that song." You know that song that turns me on? (laughs) Her friend suddenly remembered, shuffled to the song on her iPod and pressed play. Would you like me to set it on repeat? DJ asked. Yes. Play it all night long. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the lyrics. Are those the lyrics from one of her songs? Yeah. Play. (laughs) Her song play. The two women then danced the night away. (laughs) (laughs) the next morning jenny and dj said their goodbyes and went their separate ways 
DJ went back to her day job as a veterinarian. As they're going their separate ways, it's like, that was a really weird night. <laughs> Jenny moved several hundred miles up the coastline to Salem, Oregon. Jen was just happy to start her new life in a town not too far. That was one page. <laughs> too far from the bustling streets of Portland, but was also close enough to the ocean that she could take a date or take day trips to the beach whenever she wanted. She loved this quiet, quaint town, but little did she know that this unsuspecting town had a dark and mysterious past. A past involving the wrongful execution of many women at a fiery stake. Excuse me. <laughs> Travis all choked up. <laughs> had a weird hiccup. You're super scared, huh? As the days turned into weeks and the weeks into months... Jenny began to hear voices in her head and would even see premonitions at times. These visions were not merely visions in black and white, but instead were vivid visions in full living color. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. If anybody does not get that, she started her career as a fly girl on the... uh, Comedy show, comedy show in, in living, living color. color, which was basically also, if you don't know what that is, shame on you. But that is basically the black uh, Saturday Night Live, <laughs> essentially. Except for Jim I'm not Carrey. Tra- except Jim for Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yeah. I mean, I'm not being, you know, that's basically what it was. Yeah, um, I had like, like the all the Wayans brothers, all the Wayans, and I loved it so much. <laughs> but uh, anyway, she loved it. Oh, hold on. I lost my place. <laughs> what was the last thing I said? Black okay. In living color. Oh, yep. Yeah, there's the living color. Okay. These voices and premonitions were all telling her the same thing. Travel to the coast and visit the well of Thor. Was that it? Is that the, <laughs> oh, yeah. the sound? Well, it could I mean, it's be, but Thor's it's Thor's well, well. But finally, after so long, she couldn't take it anymore and gave in to the supernatural requests. Within a few hours, Jen found herself driving along the coast and found a place to park her car next to the beach. Once she parked, she did not know what to do, so she just sat in her car, staring blankly at the ocean in front of her. A few minutes later, the voice in her head reappeared and asked, What are you waiting for? (laughs) (laughs) Jenny, who was extremely frustrated with this annoying voice, simply snacked back and yelled, I'm waiting for tonight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's a little more like, I'm waiting for tonight. Oh. <laughs> With that, the voice fell silent. I would too. <laughs> Just the voice is probably rolling his eyes right now. Did you like go back and listen to all Jennifer Lopez songs <laughs> when you, before you wrote this? No, actually, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't listen to any of them. <laughs> No, this is actually probably the perfect person for him to have in his, his story. He knows all the Jennifer Lopez songs and movies. <laughs> With that, the voice fell silent until nightfall. There's an anaconda that comes up. <laughs> of course, by the time Jenny exited her vehicle in search of the well of Thor, the wind had picked up as it appeared a, as it appeared a storm was a brewing over the horizon. Jenny spent the next little while scouring the beach, climbing over rocky enclaves and examining every tide pool she came across, this whole time wondering if any of the things she was seeing was the well of Thor. That's probably where we should have done it, but I get it. (laughs) 
The voice then returned and told her that she will know the well of Thor when she sees it. It wasn't until several minutes later when Jenny scaled a large rock outcropping that extended... A out- large out- rocky a large- rock outcropping. A la- <laughs> <laughs> Fuzz a large rock outcropping. <laughs> a large rock outcropping that extended out into the ocean that she could hear and see the massive sinkhole located in the ocean's surface. The power emanating from this hole was immense. Wait, a sinkhole in the ocean surface? Yeah. So just like a in the water there was a hole? Yeah. Hmm. That's <laughs> that's what Thor's well is. Is it? It's like a giant hole in the rocks that are in the ocean that causes it to just like like it looks like a well. Like the ocean just literally falls into it, plunges into it. Look at pictures out. Hmm. There had to be a million gallons of water falling down into this abyss every second. She thought to herself, what do I do now? Without another moment's delay, the voice in her head returned with a single message. Fly girl, fly girl, fly girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. At first, Jenny was pissed. She hated being reminded of the dark time in her early life when she was forced to dance on stage with a bunch of other women on a second-rate comedy show. You take that back, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) But then it hit her. Perhaps the voice is telling me to jump into this massive hole. (laughs) At a loss of any real direction or clarification from the voice, Jen took to the blind plunge and launched herself off the rocks and into the center of the giant well. The first few seconds were filled with sheer terror as Jenny fell through the hole. This may have been a huge mistake, she thought. However, as she continued to fall and fall and fall, there seemed to be something almost sinister about the interior of this well. She could see the ocean water from above falling all around her. But after a few moments, the well began to get darker and darker, and she sensed that it was closing in all around her. She felt as if she were being sucked into a black hole. This is where Stephen Hawking comes in, huh? <laughs> Luckily, this sensation did not last long, and suddenly the feeling of falling seemed to cease. Instead of the feeling, instead of the feeling, instead, the feeling <laughs> was replaced <laughs> with one similar to levitation. It was almost as if the polarity inside of this well had flipped, and instead of falling, She was now ascending back toward the surface. She watched as the drops of water around her seemed to be reversing as well. Suddenly, she popped out of the well and into a strange and mysterious land. She looked around at the alien-looking landscape that surrounded her and wondered where on earth, or perhaps the universe, was she? So she went through a wormhole? She could could see the trees that grew in a way that resembled the shape of an open umbrella that had been flipped inside out by a strong wind. She could see beautiful... Is this place going to be called Pensacola? (laughs) She could know what that's from? No. No. Contact. Oh. When she goes to the alien world and she touches like... Just so you guys know, all the descriptions that I give you in this portion of the story is is true to life so go look it up (laughs) okay Okay. she could see beautiful flowers growing off the ends of what appeared to be thick tree roots that looked like giant 
yams and carrots. She could see a majestic but unknown species of bird soaring above her in the sky. Where am I? Jen mumbled to herself. Just then, she could hear a voice from behind her speak out. What? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> this is the <laughs> part that you need to use your... Uh... Okay. Welcome to soccer. <laughs> soccer try. <laughs> what the fudge is this word? I broke it up for you Socotra so that you have each try. Socotra. Socotra. Okay. Welcome to Socotra Island. <laughs> Startled by the unexpected visitor, Jimmy flip, Jenny flipped around to see who it was that had just welcomed her to this bizarre place. Yet when she turned around, all she could see were more upside-down umbrella trees and yam-based flowers. Then suddenly, she could hear the churning of gears, followed by a faint sequel. Squeal. Sorry. A faint. I was like, that does not make sense. <laughs> a second later, a man in a mechanical wheelchair slowly appeared out from behind a large yam flower root. Sorry. I, I, feel, like I'm the, <laughs> I feel like I'm actually the guy from... Uh, <laughs> from South Park, like the uncle that has to use the stoma. It's like, <laughs> but I can't. Sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. My name is Steven. That's it. You don't do Hawking? My name is Steven Hawking. I'm going to throw that in there. So you don't know. The man said, Danny definitely loses. You did not. Hi. Hi, Stephen. My name is Jenny. Jen responded. What brings you beyond the horizon? (laughs) A voice in my head began speaking to me months ago, telling me to go and find the well of Thor. At first I ignored it, but then the visions began. The visions were so vivid and seemed to be telling me the same thing. After many months of this, I finally gave in and left in search of this well. The voice then told me to jump into the well. Then the next thing I know, I'm here. Wow, that is quite the story. (laughs) I've never heard that, and I literally wrote a book on the theory of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know how to tell you other than this is the weirdest thing that has happened to me since I went on this trip to the Amazon jungle and ran into these giant 50-foot-long man-eating snakes. It took every last bit of energy that my friend Ice and I could conjure up to get out of there alive. I swore from that day forward that I would never go anywhere that wasn't within walking distance of Starbucks. Yet here I am in this unknown land talking to a nice but strange man. Where am I? Where am I again? You are on Socotra Island. (laughs) Yeah. Where exactly is Socotra Island? Are we still on planet Earth? The man in the wheelchair chuckled a bit. (laughs) 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 Of course. (laughs) Of course. You are still on Steven, Earth. Stephen Hawking has to type on his computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, sort of. You are in what is called a 
upper uh, little dimension. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually located near the country of Yemen. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm in a parallel what? Oh, God. Let me explain by giving you a brief history of time. <laughs> never never this, mind. This conversation <laughs> must be lasting for hours. I don't need an explanation. Rather, I just need to know how to get back home. <coughs> he just hands her her book, his book, A Brief History of Time. That I can help you with. Great. What do I need to do? Can you see that? Giant tree over there. Stephen points off into the distance as he speaks. Jenny squints her eyes and make and can make out a large funky looking tree over yonder. Over yonder. <laughs> Do you mean the bulbous tree that looks like it had a little too much to drink? <laughs> yes, that is a baobab tree. <laughs> what? A baobab tree? I'm not positive how to say it, but that's how you spell it for real. That's a real tree. I, I said it like boabab, but yeah, it's not that. They are magical trees only found on this island. They are capable of holding over 30,000 gallons of water in their trunks. <laughs> really? That's impressive. But how exactly is that going to help me get home? You see... <laughs> th- <laughs> This is not scary at all. <laughs> yeah, what? I totally forgot it was supposed to be scary. <laughs> you see the baobab tree <laughs> is highly allergic to yam pollen. <laughs> Wikipedia <laughs> these trees or something. If you rub the pollen of the yam flower all over your body, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Do it slowly. <laughs> more, more, more pollen. <laughs> more pollen. <laughs> Kidding. You rub the pollen, the yam flower all over your body and climb to the top of the baobab tree. <laughs> it will sneeze. Uh, again, how does this help me? Well, <laughs> When the baobab tree sneezes, it will release all of its trunk water straight into the air. The water spout will then shoot you straight up into the sky, where you will emerge from the mouth of Thor's well. Oh, well. 
what am I waiting for? Jen immediately runs over to the nearest yam flower and scoops up some pollen into the palms of her hands and begins to rub it all over her body. <laughs> Meanwhile, Stephen sat staring at her from his wheelchair, admiring the way the pollen glistened with a purple hue on her skin. <laughs> What is it? She asked when she noticed the look of awe on Stephen's face. I'm captivated <laughs> by the way the pollen resonates on your skin. <laughs> it reminds me of a very beautiful sight I saw years ago. I called it my radiation. <laughs> Hawking radiation? Or Hawking's radiation <laughs> Jenny not knowing quite how to respond to this comment and also wanting so badly to go home decided not to press the issue any further thank you yeah, and instead says goodbye pervert. to her newfound friend she walks over and gives Stephen a hug then begins her long trek toward the baobab tree <laughs> She could see standing tall and proud on the skyline. After about an hour of hiking. <laughs> it's an hour away? It's far away. He's, he's just like, like, points. He's like, that is the bow bow tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she had a squint to see it. I just thought it was like, maybe like half mile down or something like that. It's like literally a trek, like a day's trek. <laughs> Do you remember Frodo going to Mount Doom? <laughs> that is how long it will take. <laughs> she finally made it to the base of the magical baobab tree and with the last of her energy, scaled the trunk of the roly-poly tree and made her way to the tippy-top. <laughs> Once she was situated at the precipice of the tree... She shimmied her body, both for good luck. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? She Ta shimmied. Talking about like the shimmy dance move. Yeah. Where they're like. <laughs> oh. She shimmied her body, both for good luck and out of habit from her time spent as a hustler. Oh, good heavens. <laughs> what she didn't realize was that the act of shimmying was just what the. was just what was needed to release an ample amount of the pollen from her body and allow it to fall like rain until it settled on the baobab tree trunk. <laughs> then, without warning, the whole tree shook. Didn't Almost. Danny say in a previous episode he has a weird thing for big trees? <laughs> he did. He loves big trees. Oh, yeah. No wonder he incorporated a giant tree. <laughs> Then, without warning, the whole tree shook, almost as if it were inhaling one last big breath, and just as the enigmatic man, Stephen Pratold, a powerful <laughs> spout of water shot out of the trunk, picked Jenny up, and carried her back through Thor's well. As she traveled through the well, in the reverse direction, she began to get lightheaded, almost like she was going to black out. However... This felt slightly different. In fact, the feeling turned into one of euphoria, as for a brief moment, everything, everything, thing around her <laughs> disappeared, and all she could see, hear, and feel was nothing. 
it was a complete whiteout. I was wondering where that was coming in. <laughs> of all her senses. That's not... I thought it has to be the thing yeah. white out. Uh, it not just like, I thought we just have to oh, say she it. had a white No! <laughs> you completely made up the rules and then you yeah. just just disregarded any of them. Like you have to incorporate the actual item of white out. <laughs> After several Easy moments, crazy. the feeling of jubilee subsided and Jenny found herself laying on the Oregon beach, wet but happy to be back home. She stood up and at the top of her lungs yelled, Enough! <laughs> is, that, is that a song? That is a movie. That's the movie that she's, she's in where she oh, has enough and yeah. beats her husband up. She then swore that she would never listen to a voice in her head that was not her own again. With that, she got back into her car and drove home to her cozy new place in Salem, Oregon. The end. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, that was like a 26 long, 26 minute long <laughs> story. Okay, so so did you? Do you, you get never for the said Socotra no. Island? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, you did. Oh no, it was did. because I was being. Fickle. Yeah. <laughs> you never so said I Lopez. Got all six things. No, nope, you never said Lopez. You never said Hawking. Well, you did yeah, say you did. Hawking said, later. Said Hawking yeah. radiation. You didn't say Stephen Hawking. <laughs> you said Stephen, and later on you said Hawking radiation. Wide out wrong. <laughs> and the whole point was to make a scary story, <laughs> not like some fantasy story. <laughs> no, it was scary because the voices in her head were controlled by the witches from Salem, I Oregon. Guess, to me, the scariest part was the creepy. <laughs> Freaking Stephen Hawking who's just like all <laughs> oogling over her. Like, mm. I mean, let's yeah, let's be honest. Stephen or Hawking. Let's radiation. let's just think about this, okay? <laughs> How long has Stephen been there? You, there ain't no damn way he's making the trek to that freaking tree in his way <laughs> in his wheelchair. So he's probably been there forever, and he just sent away the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> the tree will sneeze. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. Stephen Hawking is just—he knows everything about plants for some reason. (laughs) He's like a botanist. (laughs) He's not a astrophysicist in this. You have three scary stories that we (laughs) tell on a podcast. podcast. (laughs) I hope you guys liked it. Uh, uh, I mean, it's definitely enjoyable reading them. It's not as fun writing them um, and preparing, knowing that we had like literally like minutes to finish before we came in (laughs) and recorded. Um, But uh, yeah, just let us know what you think. Uh, You can find us on any of our social media pages, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at QCO Podcast. Uh, you can also visit our website at QCOPodcast.com. And, uh, you know, if you guys have any other any ideas, like I, I know that we're probably not opposed to doing something like this again. Um, if you have any ideas of a, a specific genre or, or something like that that you'd like us to write about, let us know. If we get some people commenting, we'll definitely think about it um, and give you a shout out if we choose your your topic or genre yeah. but and <clears throat> go ahead feel free to uh i mean compliment all the stories or if you just want to single one out as your favorite yeah if you have a favorite <laughs> then you can vote for it remember the first story with demi lovato and her evil plan to get back at 
Emma the Watson. Uh, cheater Emma Watson and have her be in <laughs> dissection pain for eternity or 36, 36 hours. 36 hours. Uh, that Realistic was, about it. <laughs> vote Allen. Um, and then if you liked the fact that I was super strong in... His, it wasn't even Daniel. It's oh, Daryl. Daryl was super strong. <laughs> Daryl. But then it turns out Daryl was a psychopath <laughs> that murdered his friends. Vote for Travs. And if you like... Jenny from the block <laughs> <laughs> and Wait, her was, encounter with it, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. It was, what was it? The title of your, where'd you put dream? it? Finding home. Oh yeah. Finding home. <laughs> oh, yeah, what the- yeah. Finding home. <laughs> Cause she had to find home once she got in at Socotra Island. Yeah. Socotra. Uh, so yeah. And then if you're curious, you really, all six of these places that we mentioned are real places on earth that are actually very, very cool. Um, so you should check those out too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we also do have a, uh, a YouTube channel. Uh, we're just posting the, the episodes for now. Um, I think we do have one video on there, so you can go and check that out. Cause it's actually pretty good. Um, two, if you count our Coke and vinegar. Oh yeah. Making. <laughs> that too. <laughs> we tried to debunk something <laughs> and we did it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, check us out there. Make sure to subscribe, hit the bell so you know whenever we put in a new one. Um, and then, lastly, uh, you know we'd love to have you review us and uh, and give us some give us a five star review and or whatever you think we deserve. I mean, I think at this point we're just like, yeah, if you give us a review, we'll take it. If it's negative, we'll read it on here. <laughs> be mad at you <laughs> but anyway thank you everybody for listening uh, don't forget these episodes uh, come out every Friday and then we also have some bonus episodes of Danny's Dreams that we read that come out every Monday so thanks again and we will catch you next week happy Halloween happy Halloween